menaced it right in the face. Yeah, you know Wait. I did. What? Yeah, we're clear. We're in the clear. All right. We're, we're ready to record here. So, uh, welcome back, everybody. Clear. To Almost Informed. We haven't done this in, like, two, four, three months. <laughs> Episode. Somewhere in there, for sure. <laughs> We've taken an extended hiatus, but our two buddies, uh, Peter and Bryson, uh, are in town, so we figured we'd get a good pod in with them. Yeah. Because they're probably some of the best guests we could have. Wanted to be a guest for a while. Never got the invite. Had to shoehorn my way in there myself. <laughs> shoehorn his way in after the series has been canceled. <laughs> We're in for a special reunion. Apologies that you lived. You moved. You moved to Edmonton, and I couldn't just fucking yeah. airmail you. It happens. Yeah. And Kelowna, you got on. Yeah, but he was here on a Wednesday. Yeah, that's true. If you, you visited on a Wednesday, then it would have worked. That's how it works. But you're always down for the weekend, and then you fuck off to Edmonton again, because all Monday, you gotta go to class or something like that. Yeah. Speaking of class, I uh, I, I want to ask you like how you made your decision for what you're going to go back to school for. Oh. Because I was pretty... You were talking about taking nutrition, and I was pretty stoked about that. And like, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I just want to see your thoughts on that okay yeah no i think what it came down to i mean not that i don't love nutrition and i would love nutrition it's just some of that program is a lot of chemistry and science but i just wanted i i as much as you need that knowledge i would still like to i'd rather be the guy who's helping people create a diet program right yeah. there's things like that whereas a dietetics is almost the science of food a little more right but i would still love to do it and i still might do it Mm -hmm. but i just made the conclusion that i came to the conclusion that i just truly do love psychology like it is my bread and butter i would say but my only thing stopping me from doing a psych degree was my own stigma against a psych degree because uh well truthfully if i stop at a psych degree i'm not getting much Mm -hmm. that's a that's enough qualifications to work at mcdonald's but i just uh realize it's what I love and I've already done two years of it so why not polish her off and then if I Fair want enough. to go somewhere else down the line do that yeah it sucks that there's a stigma of like oh you have to go get an education for something that you actually want to get a career in after because I don't think that needs to be the case no at all no but like so many people think that and then they just choose the wrong well because the... they kind of get pushed into it because you graduate high school and there's so much pressure on you to do whatever. High school is basically just a four years of teachers hyping you up and your parents hyping you up to be an adult and be in the real world and go to school and get a job. And like, that's all you learn. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so you get out of high school and even if you're not really sure the pressure that you feel to be in something and doing something is greater than the, I'm not really sure. And mm-hmm. because at that 18 years old, really, you haven't really thought for yourself much. Everything's kind of been given to you. Your path has been laid out for you and you get out and you are suddenly in something. And for the first time you kind of have some choice. And even if you don't like it, a lot of people don't really realize that they can say no and they just push themselves through it and they don't like it. And they either drop out or they almost fail or they get really low grades and waste their time effectively. But they didn't really have much like input in that decision to go in in the first place. It's it is interesting because like I find at eighteen, you're really not the person that you're gonna be even at twenty, and so 
that you're pushed in a post-secondary almost immediately after high school, at least really strongly encouraged to go find and do something that you want to do, air quotes. But, I mean, I think my interests and aspirations have changed wildly since we graduated oh, high yeah. school. How are you really supposed to know what you want to commit four years to going out of high school? Mm-hmm. Most people switch their degrees because of that. So, it, education is weird in that sense, right? It's almost like you kind of know what you want to do as you do what you're trying to do really right so i don't know it's just really interesting when people just go into a program for four years and then i guess this is what i'm doing with my life because i chose this coming out of high school yeah but i don't know are you guys happy like what made did you always know that you wanted to be in the program that you're in right now um for me i i didn't do enough like preliminary research into what i would actually be doing in physics um and i imagined it very much as an applied science that they would teach me some some facts i need needed to know and then i would apply that to experiments and like um but it's not that it's basically a a gym uh general liberal arts education is what it is because there's they teach you some concrete facts, and then they teach you some other things where it's like, yeah, we don't know what's going on here. <laughs> so <laughs> these are all kind of just wishy-washy theories, and I, I don't, like, I don't know what I have that's gonna be applicable after. But I, I, at the same time, I'm fine with that. Like, it's really interesting knowledge, and uh, more so the process, like how I have to study is really beneficial for me to learn oh yeah because i never studied in high school like ever and i have to study really hard now and uh the fact that it's challenging me is helpful because there's for sure degrees i could take where i could continue not studying and but what's the point in that right Yeah. yeah it's true but it is it's weird that high school just hardly prepares you for post-secondary or studying or it life it's just it's wrong well. it's the worst high school is the fucking worst high school, what an institution that is i love like looking back at high school i love it because it was the easiest and it, i had no responsibility and i was a complete jag off for four years but high school is the worst thing ever yeah i don't know in so many ways i think so bryson what about mm-hmm. you is uh is your major right now what you want to be doing uh for myself i i went into engineering as a pretty disintuitive decision because honestly it's just something I'm, I, I like math. I like to think on my feet. I like to problem solve. So, so that was a good choice for sure. Uh, after a year though, I was fortunate in my degree that you get to choose like further specialization. It's not just engineering. There's, you know, mechanical, there's mm-hmm. civil, there's computers, there's materials, all these, all these like streams of it. Uh, so luckily for me, I was able to kind of have that extra year as well as taking a year off and just kind of knowing myself a little better to decide which led me down to civil environmental specifically, which yes, I'm, I'm very happy about. But again, I, that was more a decision I made as a 20 year old and not as an 18 year old. Right? Yeah. Like I, I had a couple years to kind of like see what it was all about and, and make those decisions. So it's very fortunate. I think as terms of my entire life unfolding, it's something I know I could do and feel good about. Although again, I, I don't know if there's many degrees truly that that's like everyone's first choice. Uh, I don't think there's many degrees where people like that's what I'm passionate about mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. I feel like most people have passions elsewhere that like that fall outside of school. Uh, although, okay. yeah, it's something I, I definitely could do it and be be happy, like live a happy life. Yeah. Although there might be there might be things I would enjoy more. 
No, that's a very good way to put it. And I think you're right. There is, everyone kind of has a passion that there isn't really a course for or a program for. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Is it worth pursuing those passions? It's gotta yeah, be. Would I you agree, say, yeah. would yeah. you say that your guys' outside passion is music? Mine, definitely. Yeah. I have a few, but music's up on the list, yeah. At the forefront. You guys do have a band, actually. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Evergreen. Evergreen. Yeah. How long have um, you guys been? The uh, shameless plug. Well, you know what? That's what we're here for. All all 30 of our listeners will be able to uh, <laughs> be able to check you guys That's, out. That's uh, Evergreen Y-E-G on Facebook, just yeah. so everyone knows. We need to get our ad revenue. If even 10% of those people go and give us a like, that's like three, maybe four likes. There you go. It's perfect. <laughs> it's it's well, well worth it. Yeah. Um. Uh, no, we started in... More or less the summer. We jammed a little... Yeah. So I guess uh, about a year ago, there was a battle of the bands for engineering, actually. So we met uh, a, a girl at our band, Victoria, was a friend of mine through classes and wrote t- together a few people to play. Uh, so David, the drummer, uh, was part of it as well. And kind of on a car ride home after we had practiced, like, hey, like, do you want to get a band going? Like, he just kind of liked liked my vibe, I guess. Um, I was like, yeah, that'd be sweet. Like, I'm, I'm actually was looking for some people. I was on Kijiji, like, looking for, like, like uh, musicians and stuff. At the same time, I was like, yeah, this is a great opportunity. Uh, so that happened. Then Pete, uh, we were roommates, and was playing bass. So that just worked out really well, the four of us. Um, so that was a year ago. And so we didn't do much for maybe four or five months because we didn't have a good space to practice or anything. But as of the summer, uh, we moved, me and Pete moved to a different place with a bunch of roommates, and there's a dedicated room for practice mm-hmm. and, and that was kind of the catalyst in a, in a lot of ways to get playing more so i guess since kind of august it's been uh but i guess six months give or take and uh the way things are going i'm really looking forward to this next year and just kind of the amount of music we'll have and we met, like we have six shows lined up in january here and uh Pretty yeah the, ball, the ball's starting to roll which is really exciting we we haven't like talked really concrete plans but we've kind of made vague predictions for the future and all four of the bandmates are like yeah i'm getting a degree but if i end up just playing music for the rest of my life i'm fine with that too (laughs) which is sweet that everyone is on board with that Mm -hmm. because you know we don't need to be world famous to make a career off of it there's plenty of people who are just edmonton famous and just make a bunch of money playing in bars and stuff and i don't know if that's lifelong for us but like it'd be really enjoyable for a really long time it's a good chapter to have it is oh absolutely i think the thing about it that's nice too is like we've been i've been in school i've been working and making this work at the same time like it's not like you necessarily need to devote your 40 hour work week to playing music it it forever at this level at least if you're just playing bars around uh the edmonton scene and everything is it can it can very much fit with the work week you see these 40 year olds who all have daytime jobs and <laughs> like dire straits yeah. he's got a daytime job but but honestly <laughs> that's exactly where my head went in. <laughs> no but honestly right and they're making it work so so to me that's exciting is you truly could kind of balance the two and then if if that music option did seem like it was actually feasible uh it would be worth maybe jumping ship and, and pursuing it i think at the end of the day too when you're this young like you know have a degree like a decent degree at age 23 what's mm-hmm. the harm in if it seems like a feasible thing, taking a year or two to see if it develops. Oh, absolutely. Uh, worst case, you get back into the job force at, what, 25? You're really no worse for wear, so. Uh, the biggest blockade I would say I had mentally um, for doing something like this, uh, pursuing a kind of, like, not typical kind of career, Yeah. Um, is 
uh, I, I think it's a common thing with a lot of millennials where uh, they they have a passion to to make a big change, to have a big impact yeah. on the world somehow. Everyone wants to. Everyone has their own thoughts about how the world should be running and how to improve things, and and they want to see that enacted. And I I think a lot of people would get disappointed with themselves if they ended up in a job where they weren't making a big impact. Um, and that was kind of my initial, like why I went into physics is because I want to research alternative energy so I could make a big impact. But the, the more I actually get into it, I'm, sl- I'm becoming okay with if my impact is only local or yeah, even if I, even if it's just, my close friend group if that if those are the only people i impact in my life i'm okay with that now um and i think that's a big hurdle for a lot of people who would want to pursue something that they're more passionate about um but they they just don't think it's air quotes enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you gotta wonder right what's the better way to do it and like you said i think just having an impact on the people around you if you're being the person that you want to be and doing the things that you want to do that's a much better life than being world famous for something necessarily right Mm -hmm. yeah so i think you definitely got the right attitude and like you guys said we're so young there's nothing to lose in that sense right just go after whatever you want to do so closing a door on yourself is just a wasted opportunity what like why not pursue something to see because like you said brayson i mean try it and say two years down the road it it doesn't work out at 25 you're probably now more capable of joining the workforce than you were before because you're two more two years more experienced with the world you're older than the fresh people coming right out of their degree things like that you're more experienced and realistically when you're getting into high level jobs and the competition's a lot stiffer every week or month of experience counts for something right and so that it honestly might even help you to go out there and get a, just a little bit more of a worldly view before trying to find a job kind of thing, right? So No, I definitely uh, can relate to that too. And that was uh, part of my schooling is is co-op experience, which is awesome. Like actually like uh, working, obviously that's what a co-op is. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I was working for the city of Edmonton uh, for four months there. And I can relate to what you guys are saying about like finding purpose and like, and just like the kind of coming to terms with like not doing as much because that that's what I saw in the first few months and it honestly was a little depressing like the first couple months working there I only worked there for four months I wish I could have worked longer uh but the first month or two was was tough in that regard because you see these people who have engineering degrees and you know smart capable people and he's like designing a parking like a parking lot or something and it's just like you know that just isn't what you expect off the bat it's like that seems like such an insignificant thing mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, you see this guy and he's really happy, like with what he's doing. And, you know, I talked to the guy, his name is Keith, actually, my one coworker, and he's uh, kind of a musician and just like a dreamer, like always has cool thoughts and stuff. And and he's really satisfied with what he's doing, even though, yeah, when he was 20, I'm sure that wasn't his kind of end goal. Uh, But yeah, you, you just realize that your impact might be smaller than you thought it was, but not any less meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like if it weren't for all these pieces and this collaborative effort, you, you wouldn't have you know, kind of society and the advances we've made. So it, you just got to buy into that it is a team effort and no one of the 7.2 billion people out there is going to do it all. Yeah, it's true. So it, it, it's humbling. It's definitely very humbling, but at the same time, almost gives you that freedom to know that 
it there isn't as much on my shoulders as I thought there is, kind of. So it almost is like liberating. Like he just seemed really happy. Yeah. Uh, and doing his part. So I, I think that that was cool to see, and I'm excited. I got a few more turns coming up, and I think that'll only help. Yeah, with that. absolutely. That's a great mentality, actually, though, because I think even for myself with figuring out what I want to do with my life, I almost am more than halfway motivated to do something only for outside appearances and not so much for what I want to be doing, right? It's like, I would like to be successful so that, you know, I, my parents aren't like, yeah, he's just working at McDonald's or something. Not to say that that's where I'm going to end up, but, you know, it's just like, you don't want to disappoint the other people in your life, but... I think in the end, you got to do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. I uh, had a conversation with my therapist actually one time, basically just deciding what I want to do. And I kind of expressed that type of thing. And he's like, oh, when I was living in BC, I met a garbage dude. And he's, I got to talk to him and he ended up having like three degrees and a doctorate and stuff like that. But he left his life and just became a garbage man. He's like, I just did this because this is what makes me happy. He's like, my life is simple. And you know, I don't have much to worry about, so that's all that matters to me. And I feel like yeah. that's, in the end, that's probably what you got to be looking for, is whatever makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That guy probably makes a boatload of money and then fucks off to his nice cabin out in... <laughs> yeah. And, and just enjoys his leisure time. Okay. Spends probably. all his time hiking and yeah. climbing and everything. But yeah. that's But that's just it, right? Like, at the end of the day, even though you spend 40 hours a week, for example, like doing a 9 to 5, if that's what you're in, whatever the job is your job even at the end of the day doesn't have to be something that you love to do you just have to enjoy doing it enough that you can do it and then you spend all of the rest of your time doing things you enjoy right Mm -hmm. granted you want to find something that doesn't drain you and you sit at a cubicle for eight hours a day and then you go home and you're just you're you're exhausted and you're drained mentally and physically and your spirit has been sapped but even like for me looking at for like different jobs I've had, like a lot of them, I never would have guessed, like I would enjoy them, but I loved, I found things that I really enjoyed with them. And then I would, I was able to go home after work and I still had energy and I went and did things I enjoyed on top. And then that was what I enjoyed doing. It's like the, the job to a certain degree is almost a means to an end. Like if you use it as a means to give yourself a base that you can do whatever else you enjoy extra, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a good way to look at that is, um, as an, an, an analogy, I was feeling really pessimistic about 2016. I was like, as, as <laughs> <a> <laughs> <Everybody> was, <laughs> refer to the previous 29 episodes of Almost Informed. <laughs> um, but then I saw this, uh, this Facebook post from that space dude, Chris Hadfield or something. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was like, uh, with all the bad stuff in the news from 2016, it's it's easy to um, be pessimistic about it. But uh, here's just a short list of some really good things that happened in 2016. And there was like, you know, giant pandas got off the endangered species list. Mm-hmm. And like these scientists made this development on, I can't remember, a bunch of specific ones. Um, but there is so many good things. And the second I became aware of those good things, I immediately just felt better about yeah. the year. Uh, and there, it, it was no effort on my part to force myself to feel good about the year. It just happened because I had uh, more perspective on stuff I could be happy about. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a good analogy to a job is there's always going to be something at a job you can complain about. You can be like, oh, my boss is an asshole or whatever. 
Um, but there's always going to be good things at that job too. And if you just make yourself aware of those good things, then you're going to feel less drained by the job. It's so, it's so true, right? It's, it's, it's always all about perspective, right? In any situation. I was actually reading Man's Search for Meaning and it's a, a survivor of the Holocaust and his account of basically that situation. And he said like, nobody can make you feel like the make you feel any way really it's it's all about your choice to to decide if you're happy or not or if you think anything is worthwhile and so like no matter where you are you could be in auschwitz but you could still you could still have a a positive outlook on life be hard as fuck but was was that guy's book the basis of the movie life is beautiful or whatever the hell that one is with the italian movie i've never heard of life is beautiful okay because that movie is effectively exactly that it's an italian like family who gets sent to like a death camp and his and the dad his son is like eight years old or whatever and his dad keeps like convincing his son that it's just a game and stuff like that Mm. and so that he isn't aware of like the horror of what's going on and so his son just looks at it like just something they're doing and his dad does his absolute best to just be the most positive guy to have this impact on his son, even though he, the father knows what the gravity of the situation is and he knows the reality of it, but he's basically like trying to make his son's last days or whatever the best he can. Hmm. And then he, he kind of like almost makes up things along in the movie that end up playing out like, and I highly recommend everybody see it. It is a phenomenal movie. I watched it in grade 12 English class. Never heard of it. But it is, it's a foreign, foreign film, so it's not in English, but this is subtitled, but phenomenal film and it's kind of like that like just take it's about perspective and i think that perspective taking is a pretty uh common you know uh message so it's definitely probably could be but it's a great message and i Mm -hmm. i totally would love to check out that movie speaking of 2016 easing into 2017 do you guys have any new year's resolutions or do you participate in new year's resolutions yeah i made uh not resolutions this year oh yeah just for the sole sake of not calling them new year's resolutions but i I definitely have a few yeah uh yeah there's a few things but to me it's i don't know i I don't look for a specific day to kick it off i just always am trying you know different i guess you could call them resolutions or just wait it's self-improvement is probably a better term yeah Uh, i think it should be a continuous thing but yeah there's a few for sure one of them is i want to read more this last year i had a goal a very very low and simple goal which was to read six books which is one every two months which doesn't sound like much but i was someone who read zero books like mm-hmm. before that so it was a pretty big increase uh so this year i'm moving that to 12 oh. which again isn't crazy but that's double so I'll, that'll be one a month and you know maybe the next year if i hit this goal i'll be at 18 or 20 and then suddenly you know i'm at 30 books in a year mm-hmm. I, I think part in part that's kind of one of the best ways to to do it is just accept that it might take you a little while to develop this habit. A lot of people, they might come in there and say, I'm going to get in great shape and they go to the gym every day for the first week. And then they're like, this sucks. Like I can't keep this up. Yeah. But pretty much no one could keep that up after being sedentary for two or three years. Like you need to, I think the goal is to just ease into it. So Mm -hmm. I have many of those, I guess, kind of resolutions just to ease into some healthy lifestyle habits cook for myself more like something like that you know it's yeah. i'm not gonna cook every meal all of a sudden but like a few times a week and then next year it's three or four and next year five years down the road it's every meal who knows uh-huh. but I, I don't know i think that's that's a good ticket is just to accept that these things might take you a little bit of time mm-hmm. that's a good message actually i definitely struggle with that all or nothing for me you look like you're about to say something pete um my new year's resolution 
or like how I want to frame them now because I made them when I was younger and they fail just like most people's do and so I stopped doing them for a while and this year what I realized about myself is that I need a very concrete goal it can't be oh I want Mm -hmm. to work out more it needs to be something I can track Mm -hmm. um and so uh one of my goals is to play music for 365 hours, um, <laughs> which is a really easy thing to track. You can just write down how much time you practice at a time, and um, and you can see how, like how far along you are in making that goal instead of, oh, I want to play music more, and then there's nothing holding me accountable to that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair, and I think that's like the difference, but the concrete goals are actually... I can... I can see the appeal of that right mm-hmm. but yeah 365 hours of music that's not bad this really just works out to an hour a day that's pretty yeah pretty doable it, it seems doable it's tough sometimes because like sometimes you miss a day and then all of a sudden it's two hours in a day it, it compounds but, right uh, i think i can do it uh yeah i think you can do it i've actually i've had a excel spreadsheet for my music practice for 10 months really yeah and it's uh i'm a nerd like that though and it's broken up into like theory technique writing and then the rehearsal time so i've been tracking like even four kind of different metrics but but it's been super handy because you sit there and you're like oh i've been playing a lot of music i've been you know picking up my guitar every day and then you start measuring and you're like oh i'm only at four and a half hours a week which is yeah that's like 35 40 minutes a day but that's really not that much compared to a 40 hour desk job for example right it's It's like i'm getting quite a bit better and i'm only putting in four hours a week if I can bump this number up a little bit, how much be- I could be getting better mm-hmm. twice as fast if it's eight hours a week kind of thing. So, so it's been really handy. That was, that was one of the best things I've done, like to help myself improve a skill. And if you look at the trends from, I think uh, it took a little dip in the summer cause I was busy, but from August to December, it's just this steady straight up line, like from four hours to six hours to seven to seven and a half kind of thing per week. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a good way to go. I think there's a, there's a quote out there and it's, uh, what gets measured gets managed and that that quote to me is is so so important of of actually paying attention to these things yeah like you said yeah it's not like i don't, I don't want to read more it's i want to read 12 books or more and then suddenly i have a, yeah, a very concrete plan to do that and i know if i failed or if i've succeeded yeah very good at point actually i've never heard that quote before but it definitely it definitely rings, rings true. true yeah exactly no that's that's pretty good actually zach what about you any resolutions or do you yeah i did actually i I, no, i made a list uh i started kind of spitballing ideas and stuff like that probably like a week and a half before new year's because i'm in the same boat as bryce and i don't want them to be the new year's resolutions kind of thing but like it's just and more of a list of things like and i have them on a i printed them off i made a list and there's like primary goals secondary goals and stretch goals and i tried my best to give like concrete things to aim for yeah. For example, one of the one of my stretch goals is have five grand saved in my bank. Like from what I have now, have an additional five thousand dollars saved by the end of the year. So that's like a stretch goal because realistically, as a student, I'm not working a ton, whatever else. So it's tough, but if I can manage, if I can get there, that's good. So I have a few goals like that. One of my primary goals is to run a fifty k ultra marathon this year. It's something last year I started getting into over the summer was just outdoor endurance running and stuff like that and there's actually one that gets hosted in town here so that's like one of my goals is to run and complete that race and then I have a couple like more of the intangible goals that are like 
like, I guess the touchy feely, like, okay, yeah, I, I did this, like improve my meditation is one of them. And that's really hard to quantify, but that's something that I can sit down in December of 2017 and say, yes, in January I was here and now I'm here and I can see an improvement. And like, it's, it's a balance of between hard, fast goals and then those like intangible things. But I have 10 or somewhere between 10 and 15, I think between my primary, secondary and stretch goals for the year. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. Wow, you really laid it out well. Yeah. Speaking of meditation, I think all of us do meditate. Do you meditate, Bryson? Getting into it, I have, and but not consistently. Yeah, see me Maybe either. Twenty I, times in the last half year. I've gotten back into it recently, and it's not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. The fact that you two have been Pete and Zach, I kind of got me back into it, thinking about how important it is. So, speaking of, what is your guys's technique for meditation? You want to go first? Sure. Um, okay. So like two years ago, I knew I wanted to meditate. I knew it would be helpful for me. I, I didn't put much effort in finding out how to do it properly. I, I kind of just went off what I thought was the proper technique. And so basically all I did was sat in a quiet room and, and if I had a thought, I was like, no, I need to empty my mind. I, I can't think about that. And it just it obviously didn't work. Anyone who's tried meditation knows that that's going to fail. Um, and uh, what what got me into it really recently was funny enough. Like I I um, make fun of browsing Facebook, but I've seen a lot of helpful stuff on Facebook lately. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of them was just this short two minute video. Uh, it was, uh, this guy, he has a YouTube series on really helpful meditation tips and stuff. And this one was just really basic. And he said, if you want to start meditating, um, number one, to make a habit, you have to do something for 20 to 30 days straight. You have Mm -hmm. to force yourself to do it. And then after that happens, it just will become a habit for you. Um, and number two, all you have to do to meditate is to just focus on your breath. And that's only one type of meditation, breath focus. Um, but it's the one I want to start with once I heard that because it seemed easy enough. And uh, so I started that December 16th. And I've uh, I've only missed one day since. Um, and what I've realized about meditation is you don't need to... It doesn't need to be a ritual where you find a really quiet space, make sure you have no distractions, and concentrate. You can meditate anywhere you want, as long as you know what your goal is with the meditation. Mm. Um, so, for example, on Boxing Day <laughs> at Hudson's, um, they had half price drinks. The place was really busy, and I was sitting there, and I was like, oh, crap, I didn't meditate today. Um, so I sat there for a while. I tried to meditate with my eyes open. There's too much distractions, and I, Zach was looking at me, and he was I knew I was up to something and I told him I was trying to meditate and he's like dude just close your eyes like no one in here is going to judge you probably like someone might think you're passed out drunk but whatever (laughs) (laughs) sitting straight up um I was like yeah screw it so I closed my eyes in the middle of Hudson's and I focused on my breath and it was one of the best meditation sessions I've had really um because all you need is a goal in mind when when you sit down to, for your meditation session and if you if you focus on that goal then you're, you're gonna see some benefits even if you didn't 
even if it's not 100 percent, there's no way it's gonna be bad for you <laughs> yeah exactly right um so yeah do you feel like over the past half month meditating 15 minutes a day has you've seen just improvements in maybe your psyche throughout the day yeah uh a big thing for me is um i live in edmonton now and i found that whenever i come back to lethbridge just my routine gets thrown off a little bit Mm -hmm. it just doesn't feel like my life for a little bit i guess yeah um which was a weird feeling, but I started this meditation in Edmonton. So then I brought that to Lethbridge and it kept me grounded in something that I could, I could bring back from my real life in Edmonton. And, um, so yeah, it's definitely helped me stay in touch with myself and, um, and not lose focus on, on things I want to be doing, which has been wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, uh, there's a lot of benefits to meditation. I've actually read that it increases the gray matter in your brain too, just doing it 15 minutes a day like that. Like it's, it's insane. And basically every podcast or anything I've listened to about success in life, one of the main things that everyone says is meditate. Mm -hmm. It's, it's something you don't really think about, but there's just way too many benefits not to. So I definitely want to get back into it. Mm -hmm. Has that been your similar techniques? Um, well, I guess I'll start at the start as well. Um, for me, when I first kind of heard about meditation from a variety of sources, and you hear it's good and stuff like that. And when I finally decided to do it, I did what I do. I do, And I went on the internet and researched and found all more than I could ever need. And, and I, I as well, when I first started, I was just doing the breath focus thing. And I just plunked down wherever, on the couch right where you're sitting, Pete, or on the floor in my room, wherever, just sit down and and set a timer on my phone for 10 minutes and just close my eyes and do the breath focus thing and at first it was really kind of like I don't like just I I was focusing on the breath and and that was it and and as much as the whole idea of it is to calm your mind and things like that what Pete mentioned with the whole having a goal in mind like you do need to still be conscious in a sense that you still need to be like actively searching for something per se not just like mindlessly listening to yourself breathe but like for me I've been doing really trying to experience the breathing was something I'm still working on so like when I breathe I listen I hear it and I try and feel it and everything about it the rise and the fall so I'm kind of focusing on that Mm -hmm. as well as I've started to do I'm trying anyway to get into the mindfulness meditation which is more of an active thing where the goal is instead of just when you have the breath focus if you have a thought you just kind of let it come and you go back to the breath and you just try and ignore the thoughts and just kind of calm the mind with the mindfulness is more like let the thoughts come and just let them flow which is really hard to do but I also do I'm also trying to do with my eyes open which is I was talking to you the other day and when I do my breath focus it's eyes closed so I can just be calm but with my with my eyes open that way I can try and drown out everything else and it's it's a different experience but I find that I almost have like a bit of a high when I'm done the meditation like I'm very very relaxed and my body feels good Mm -hmm. even if it's only for 10 or 15 minutes afterwards I feel energized and I feel good and I'm calmed and I'm relaxed and I think that's one of the big things if anything else if nobody takes anything else away from it it's 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day where people can just sit down and not do anything because everything about today is so time 
sensitive and everything needs to get done so quickly and focused and go, 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 people just stop. Just stop for 10 minutes, sit on the floor or on the couch or wherever, relax, breathe, get some air in there, calm your mind, and then move on with your day. And like, you'll be more focused. Like it's like taking a 15 minute coffee break at work, meditate for 15 minutes and you'll find your day is just better, I think. Mm -hmm. Because I find that like I've been usually was meditating at night within a couple hours before bed kind of thing to get relaxed for the evening and then but i'm trying to meditate like early morning whole, like i'm aiming by one in the afternoon is kind of meditate once by then and then meditate again sometime before bed and i find like it's good it's just i've relaxed yeah a little bit more focused yeah i think it's really nice before bed it's it can be part of a routine i guess to help you get in the mood for sleeping mm-hmm. i fucking struggle with sleeping like is that something you guys struggle with? Are you the kind of people that, like, when you hit the pillow, you're out? Depends on the night. That's super fair. I've always been a pretty good sleeper. Like, getting to bed? Yeah. I got a yeah, decent decent walk on that. I don't know why, necessarily. But lucky, <laughs> yeah, I just don't, don't question it. <laughs> just let it happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I think I'm the classic millennial, and I sometimes get stuck on my phone, you know, in bed, yeah. and you just... I, yeah. I, I realize that if I have my phone in my bed, I will struggle to sleep, so I don't. I just plug it in across the room. And yeah. And it's not even there for yeah. me. Um, I just want to say one more thing about meditation. Uh, is that my my current goal eventually is to... Um, it's outlined in The Art of Learning uh, by Josh Waitzkin. Everyone should read that book. Um, plug. <laughs> I agree. Um, he, he talks about uh, creating a routine for this guy uh he's a businessman and he always stressed out before meetings um and he he kind of approached josh and said hey what can i do to focus more in these meetings um and josh said just make a routine do something for x amount of time and then right afterwards do something that calms you so this guy what he would do is he would meditate for a while, he would have a snack, he would listen to a bit of, me- of Bob Dylan, and then he would play baseball with his son. And then he did that for a while, and playing baseball with his son was what calmed him after the short routine. And then eventually he would do the routine, and he wouldn't do the baseball with his son, but he'd do this routine before a meeting. But he, it would put him in the same mindset as if he was playing baseball with his son. Oh, you're creating kind of a... a trigger. Uh, yeah, basically you're conditioning yourself to create an association and the yeah. feelings that, that come with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, playing on stage uh, in a band, it's all about being able to pay attention to the rest of your bandmates and be like a tight-knit group and just be in the moment and focus on what you're doing. And uh it's a tough thing to do for sure um so my immediate goal is to try to make a routine where i can get myself in a good headspace to be on stage Mm. yeah no that's actually really smart would you find is uh something i'm sure you guys have played a fair amount of shows now and even bryson you've been musically inclined for years now keith's more new to the scene but do you find that is there still nerves getting on stage always or is it pretty pretty run-of-the-mill easy going for you uh, I think I've always had a bit of nerves and same with playing, uh, like competitive volleyball for a bunch of years. Yeah. Growing up, it's a really similar feeling, right? Like you're out there and there's, for example, like credentials, there's, you know, five, 600 people watching and there's a lot on the line. So, so that experience for me, 
helps a lot like musically because then suddenly it's i don't know it's not competitive and there, there's all these kind of less less at stake almost you're still putting yourself out there and you're vulnerable and it's just like sports if you make a mistake there's still some backlash and people are going to see that uh but it, it definitely helps with that feeling i think forever i'll i'll have that little bit of like giddiness and a bit of nerve almost mm-hmm. but you talk to the best performers in the world doing these big shows and they, and they feel that too i i don't know if that's ever a feeling that should go away because i think it, it helps you appreciate the magnitude of what you're doing mm-hmm. because it almost might make you feel nonchalant if you don't feel that like oh man this is yeah. like a big opportunity yeah. so i think the key is just learning how to kind of how to flow with that and and how to simultaneously play well despite the pressures mm-hmm. and almost let it fuel you yeah. so i think through sports that's helped me a lot because uh, i was always i was always a very uh strong like mental player i guess like and and honestly like skill wise like in volleyball i was decent like but there was players around my skill level that could have played my position uh but that was why i was on the court is i was very i had a great attitude like that was and every coach who ever coached me said said that same thing they're like you have a you have a really just positive good attitude like and you bring a lot in that way uh and i was just calm like i i was not a guy who could get rattled really i felt the pressure too it's not like i didn't care but I was just able to continue with that calmness. And that's really transferred well to music. Same thing. So, yeah, yeah, I feel nervous, but very calm and okay with it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Nice. I agree that I don't want to eliminate the nerves. I just want to be able to be natural while I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, right, the nerves actually kind of get you in a mindset to perform, right? They like do. Like you yeah. said, if you'd almost... It'd almost be a bad sign if you went on stage and you weren't nervous, right? That's when I would feel nervous, is yeah. if I didn't feel nervous. Yeah. Like, wait, what? Like, like, this, is, this is wrong. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Keep, it, it keeps you sharp, right? It does, If yeah. you're too relaxed out there, then that's when you get complacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Complacency, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there was, I can't remember, and I hate doing this, but there was a story I read somewhere about a basketball coach and his star player, like, pretty much threw up religiously before every game because that was just his thing. He just... He'd get the nerves and the mental hype of the game, right? And he'd and he'd go hurl. And he didn't before one of the games. So his coach took his team off the court because his basketball team took his team off the court and went to the room and like we're not going out there until you pee. And straight up, they just sat there until he started to feel the like the build up of it, right? Until he was ready. And he's like, "We're gonna wait till you hurl." <laughs> so, <laughs> so so and they did. But like I'm the same way because like with me with sport, I was a nervous peer. Like, before a hockey game, I'd pee, like, three times in the last five minutes before I go to the dressing room. At full gear on, have I'd have my helmet on and my mouth guard in. I'd be holding the stick, ready to go out, and be like, wait, guys, I gotta pee. Like, seriously, it's just what it is, right? Because you're just feeling it, and that's just what you do. Yeah, no. But as soon as you pee, but as soon as you get out there, you just, it's gone, right? It just becomes natural. Yeah. Same for me before a lot of shows, actually. I also drink a lot of water, mm-hmm. like, just to make sure my voice is good, but I, I pee a lot before yeah. a show. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you find that by the time you're done on stage, you gotta rip a massive? Piss That's the thing again? I don't. <laughs> like, but I'll be like three times before. Yeah. Like, and, and, and so it's, it's something to do with the nerves. But I love it because at the same time, you're just. I've always enjoyed peeing and pooping. I'll say it. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. You're, you're just alone, and it's nice. Like no one's gonna talk to you. You just kind of. It's nice. You get that minute or two. It's to just true. take a little break from what's going on and. It's like we're talking about with like a routine and like as, as weird as it is, it is true. Like you just, you leave for a little while, you know, you're not going to talk to anyone. You don't have to think about anything. It's got the sound of running water. It's just, it's, and it's, it's, and it's like, not only is it like a mentally calming, but it's physically calming because your bladder gets tense, right? And exactly. like relieving your bladder is a really nice, relaxing feeling. When, uh, when Bryson and I get high together, 
we'll our minds both go a mile a minute and we'll just talk about a million things um and then someone has to take a bathroom break and then we come back and without fail both of us will be like man when you were gone i thought of the craziest thing (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) it's true though but i do i never thought about it that way but just having to go to the washroom is that nice little decompression in every little moment right it's like i'll just take a quick break even if it's 30 seconds Mm -hmm. and kind of readjust yeah right well for me with colitis i think those breaks have been a little bit too amplified but (laughs) (laughs) it's better now (laughs) same thing can be said about the shower how many people do you know or yourself probably too just have some good deep thoughts once in a while in the shower oh yeah i think for the same kind of reason it's just that time where like there really isn't a whole lot else to do yeah just there you know, you have a very like physical task to do is washing yourself off and then your mind's just kind of free to just think and just do its thing. I think if I lived alone, I'd have markers in my shower so that when I have these really profound thoughts that only can come when water is rushing down <laughs> over your head, you could just write her up on the shower and it's like your own little whiteboard on the side of the shower. Is that a, is that a product that out in the We world? should make a product. That would be, people would buy that up. It's like a bed chalkboard in your bedroom, but it's a whiteboard in your shower. I'd buy that. I'd buy that. I'd buy that. <laughs> <laughs> so are we uh, starting even, we going into business you, here? <laughs> even, honestly, you could even do it with like regular tile as long as it was the marker, right? Magic marker. Like wipe off, marker. wipe off that doesn't run off with water. Yeah, yeah. Boom. Oh, yeah. Boom. Here we go. There wow. you go. That's well, a good technology. We need to trademark that, that before the podcast goes live so that nobody can take that idea. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we're thirty really listeners. Good. Yeah, one of them for sure. <laughs> There's thirty patents getting put out after this comes out. <laughs> Steal it right from under us. <laughs> Speaking of creating something, we had just before we started the podcast. Your segues about... are on point. <laughs> Man, he's a good host. Yeah, yeah I'm impressed. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, boys. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about how you guys were th- tossing around the idea of writing a book, and now I know nothing about this book. I'm just curious yeah. to what inspired it and what it's about. Um, basically, whenever Bryson, or not whenever, but a lot of the time when Bryson and I talk to each other, uh, we'll draw a picture first so we have something to point at. It's the same as, you know, teaching a lecture. You're good, like, it's helpful when you speak and have something on the board. Um, and I'll let you go from there, actually. For sure. Uh, yeah, honestly, I've never met a person in my life to date who's not a truly like a visual learner. Like, pretty much everyone mm-hmm. responds really well to just a strong visual. Oh, really? Helen yeah. Keller. Oh, I thought you were <laughs> your hands yourself. Yeah, yeah great point. Great point. Never met She's not an auditory granted. learner either. <laughs> uh, very kinesthetic. No, uh, yeah, she got dealt her off hand. But... No, but either way, I, I think I think one of the most powerful and effective tools to get an idea across is a visual of some sort, whether it's a diagram, a chart, or you see, like, for example, really simple to follow flow charts at, like, a business. It's like, here's the steps to, like, cooking perfect fries at McDonald's, you know, and it's literally just these steps. And, and just seeing that laid out is so much clearer than a big, long paragraph where you have to pick out what's important. It kind of, like, sorts what's important for you. So anyway, there, I uh, had this book idea with Pete and... and more contributors too it's not limited to just us but it's kind of like just kind of life events and and different kind of insights through visual information so the, the names to be determined we're kind of in the early stages of coming up with these ideas and the goal is to have maybe a couple hundred of these kind of graphs charts diagrams pictures whatever it is uh with some like with some write-up about each one to to explain what's going on for people um 
but yeah, it kind of just stems, I guess, ultimately from that idea that, that I, I truly think people learn a lot easier just seeing something than mm-hmm. reading it or hearing it. And, and the mixture of the two, having an explanation and this, this graph uh, is a perfect example. Yeah. Wow, that's actually a really interesting idea, and it's pretty original, actually. So I looked it up, and there wasn't one online actually, or like for sale. I, I yeah, didn't see no a product way. like it actually, oddly. And I was like, that's that was mind blowing to me that that there wasn't something like it because it seemed like such a effective tool. Yeah, um, no, if kidding. done properly. No kidding. So when you guys are just tossing around ideas or brainstorming, you will just create a visual associated with it. A lot of the time, yeah. I've never really even heard of that. That's so genius. It, yeah i don't know something i always did as a kid and stuff too i like just like draw out what i was trying to get across because i just found especially i got a lot more like articulate as i've been getting older but like as a kid i struggled to like just get a point across because i just i'd fumble on my words and stuff but to just draw it was just so much had so much more clarity because mm-hmm. no you can't as long unless you're a terrible drawer you're gonna get it across fairly well just by by showing that wow yeah that's crazy actually yeah definitely be on board with that that book there yeah, man. If you have any ideas, you get commission. So it's just life, life events, or basically, are you trying to say like there's uh, anybody's little little tangent on some wisdom they ought, they can offer? How exactly are you going about creating that? Yeah, pretty much. Like, so it's it's not so much about because you see people obviously you have graphs and diagrams who are like very much proving a point. Like it's like here is some trend in like the social thing. It's not a book that's saying like we're trying to like give actual evidence and like factual stuff it's more just like things that you can consider so for example here's one i one i thought of as and it's kind of musical like a lot of them tie into my own interests and stuff uh but one that i uh, one that kind of spoke to me recently was just how relationships are tied to dynamic levels of music and for anyone who doesn't know like music terms uh, the example of a, a crescendo is something that starts quite quietly and then escalates larger and larger and larger until it's quite has a lot of volume and like a lot of a lot of depth to it and then a decrescendo is the exact opposite it starts quite loud and powerful and dwindles down into almost nothing so that concept alone was enough to i, I related that to different types of relationships and i found myself in a relationship about a year ago that was very much a decrescendo mm-hmm. and off the bat it was like boom this is incredible like so much of it was going so well and i was just so so happy so fulfilled like everything about it was just so exciting to me and then as time went down that just kind of that feeling faded away and got quieter and quieter to the point that I actually didn't really feel it anymore at all. Like it was too quiet that I didn't feel it. Yeah. And, and so to me, that was very evident in, in that kind of visual of this decrescendo. And then, you know, just recently I've kind of maybe found myself in a, in a crescendo scenario. And this is what I think spawned the idea because I've, I've experienced both in the last year or so where it was um, the currently, uh, the girl I'm seeing I've known for about a year and like as a friend so it's very quiet like I didn't really have feelings for her mm-hmm. or anything of, of that sort and as I've known her better it's grown and grown and grown and grown and and the long-term potential of that scenario to me is I, I don't know what it is fully because it's still in the process of getting larger instead yeah. of starting so big that where does it go from there yeah so so just as something like that it's you're not really trying to like prove mm-hmm. points and like give like evidence it's just like oh that's a cool thing to consider the punchline of that page wouldn't be like there's two types of relationships it's either this or this yeah. like we aren't trying to say that um but giving a, a few examples like that maybe even a few more examples of ones that go up and down or something um and, and then the, what the punchline would be is just that people can pay attention to those 
dynamics from another perspective in their own relationships. Yeah. They, they can pay attention to where things came from and where they're going and where they are right now. Uh, and just be more aware. Wow, that's interesting. And I, even just the idea of relating music and terms within music to human relationships is definitely something I've never heard of, but I think it seems to flow really well. And speaking of crescendo and decrescendo, I think the crescendo when you're in terms of creating a romantic relationship with somebody is probably the way you always want to be finding yourself, right? Oh, you can't, I agree. Yeah. You can't. It, it's like, just as another analogy, it's like trying to build a really big building by putting in the top floor first. Yeah. yeah. Well, it really <laughs> is that. Exactly. Lay the base, like love and trust, right? And go from there. Like, it's, <laughs> oh, it's so true. Like, little concrete too never hurts it's pretty sturdy <laughs> <laughs> maybe put some piles in some if you're piles, on some swampy yeah. ground like <laughs> yeah. just give it a do little stability and... <laughs> like, yeah let's do it right here but no it's yeah it's so true right and i think and it's funny you mentioned that like seeing you're like oh i've never seen that kind of music linked with life or whatever uh but that's something uh, someone who's been i'm a very musical person i always have been as a kid like i was writing songs and like little jingles and stuff uh, what did i do I, we had a cabin in kimberly as a kid and there was a, a husky slash like mohawk convenience store and i had to grow a jingle for it when i was like four i was, in the house, I was, I was like husky 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 like slash mohawk or something like that like, a little more musical i don't know how it went but like, just my family remembers it to this day and then they can like sing it you know so i've always just loved that kind of stuff uh but no i think i think that's you hit it right on the head i think your passion can show you a lot of life advice i think music's a really excellent one because it is so alive in it you know it's so alive it's like what is music really it's just this sound that wasn't there that's suddenly being created and there's the death of music too when a note ends and there's space in between and there's these dynamic levels different tones and like just, just so much to go with it mm -hmm. that i think that has helped me learn a lot about life and vice versa i think life experiences help me in music as well because they tie together there's there's so many analogies i'll think of daily that just relate to something musical that I know and, and yeah so it's yeah, I don't know it's it's a really wonderful thing to kind of explore and just like look for those yeah to tie this conversation full circle a little bit um I, I think that's a good way to frame your perspective going back to careers is just um like if you're writing a book and you go at it from the perspective of music then that's something that means a lot to you so it's going to come across as more sincere mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. If you're writing music and you you write a song that means something to you instead of trying to write a song that other people would like that's going to be that's going to come across as more sincere it's just going to yes. be better um so if you go after a job with where your goal is to um fulfill yourself then rather than like trying to pick your job based on what other people would view as successful or whatever yeah you're gonna that job is going to be coming from a more sincere place and you're going to enjoy it more. Yeah, that is a great way to tie that full circle, actually. That's almost a message that I even needed myself. Forget, forget what the <laughs> listeners are talking about. <laughs> this has been powerful for me. <laughs> well, right now, man. Yeah, and it, even one more thing on the music thing. It's just, it's weird to think about the power of music. And I don't think people really actually consider it all too often, but you'll hear things where... Uh, stories where people like who have dementia and they've just been basically out to lunch for five years couldn't say a 
couldn't string a sentence together. You'll play a music, like a song that was important to them when they were young and everything comes flowing back to them. Just things like that. And basically, you know, a scene in a film, if, if there's music tied to it, they can make you feel however they want you to make you feel based on the music. And it's, it's just insane how much music resonates with just like the soul. Mm-hmm. From a very scientific standpoint, uh, getting your brain scanned when you're listening to music, everything's lit up. Yeah. Right? That's the most brain function you can do is, is play an instrument, actually, because they've done a bunch of studies and it's just lighting up these crazy, crazy connections. Because it's, it's, it's a lot of left brain and right brain. Yeah. It takes the analytical ability as well as a lot of creation as well. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. It's one of the few things that really utilizes both hemispheres of your brain. Wow, that's crazy, actually. That's a... That's something to think about, really. And even because, like, I had mentioned this before we started, but I'm the only one here who isn't a musician in some form or fashion. And sometimes I feel like I'm just kind of missing out on a certain aspect of life that feels somewhat almost necessary. And so and you even just saying that and how it works both hemispheres of your brain, like, that's just something that it, to gain that skill is just way too beneficial in terms of anything, right? Because you playing an instrument, exercising both those parts of the brain, that can translate into anything, right? Just even being a more articulate individual, right? Like, things mm-hmm. like that. And so, so I don't know. Something about playing an instrument is definitely yeah. a, a valuable aspect in life, and it's pretty awesome that all of you guys do. There's a big hurdle there, because um, your musical skill and your musical enjoyment go up basically at the same time, and they both go up pretty exponentially. Like, the slow is very start. It, wow. <laughs> I can't fucking talk. The start is very slow. Yeah. It's, it's, uh. Yeah, go for it. Bathroom break. Bathroom More than encouraged. We've, be been, we've had people leave to take shits and whatever. Like, it's, it, just let her buck. I'll be on my way there at some point, too. But Pete can finish his story here while, while Bryson's in the washroom. So the start is very slow. It takes a lot of groundwork to get the, the skills you need to start an instrument. And that entire time, it's just not enjoyable. Mm. You're like, fuck this. Yeah. But once you have that laid out, then it's all uphill from there. Yes. It's all, your technique and your skill grows faster once you have the baseline. And so does your enjoyment. So I think that's the only thing stopping most people. Yeah. And that's probably so true. And I think that wall exists in almost learning anything. But it's a very large wall when it comes to learning an instrument because, mm-hmm. yeah, you're getting your brain to think in ways that it normally doesn't and then to play something that it normally doesn't. There's a lot of things in life that don't incorporate both hands at the same time and that most instruments do. Doing, like, and it's it's funny, I can relate with Pete a lot on this because we both relatively recently in the last, like, what, three or four years have started to play instruments and we both play bass and I play a little bit of guitar on the side too. And like, it's a, it's a problem because when you first start music, first off, you don't know shit about music. So like what, I don't even know what sounds I'm making. Like, I don't know the names of the notes. I don't know any theory at all. So you're trying to learn that and you're trying to make your hands do what you want. So the actual technical skill isn't there. So like, like strumming a string and hitting the right fret at the same time is completely unrelated to what you're trying to actually like write a song, for example, but you're trying to learn both and they're both so fresh that it is just like overwhelming. And like, it's so difficult for a while because like you literally can't even make the sound you're trying to like, it's frustrating because you're trying to make like play a simple power chord and you can't even hit the right strings or move your fingers to the right spot. And it takes so long to get even that bass. But once you do, like you said, it's exponential. And you'll see it starts off really slow for a while. And then it starts to go up. And then you 
make a jump and make another jump and then it skyrockets, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's quite interesting. I'm, I'm going to also take a bathroom break for That's myself. perfectly fine. But we should play a game when I get back. Yeah, we will. Okay. I'll finish off on one more note with music, just the whole how powerful it is for the soul. I am a huge proponent of that as you guys are musicians that play in a band and write music and stuff like that. I play very casually. I write riffs. I learn tabs and things like that. I don't, as far as the actual playing side, I don't take it in depth, but I am... I think myself anyway, as like an elite listener of music, I listen to a ton of music and stuff like that. And I, I, I search out music that I find emotional draw to, right? That it elicits an emotion for me. And the whole, like Brendan mentioned with the dementia, the song Hungry Like a Wolf by Duran Duran, I have a memory associated with that song when I'm like six years old. Like I literally remember nothing from that age except for listening to that song driving to a specific place in the vehicle. Like I remember like what the road looked like beside me and like the way where I was in the vehicle and like the seat beside me was folded down because we were going camping. Like it's such a vivid memory associated with that song, right? And like that connection you can make. And basically it goes for music as well as I think any other art or anything at all. If it elicits an emotion in you, it's that's the whole goal of it, right? Because like f- for you guys to write a song, you something that is an attachment or an experience you've had or you're telling a story, right, as the writers. So there's the emotion that you're putting into it. But then as a listener, if you can connect to that emotion, I feel like that is where art is at its most powerful. And, and that's why art is so vast and why every person has their own taste in music is because... I am not, I don't have the same experiences and I'm not going to hear the same things and have the same connection to it that you are or you are or you are, right? Mm-hmm. But I find, at least for me, that's what I find art and music especially is at its most powerful. Yeah. Completely totally agree with you. It's hard to say that any any form of music is, is garbage, right? Because Somebody likes it. Somebody likes it, exactly, right? Like, even Hentai Cum Dungeon. Even Hentai Cum Dungeon. And it's hard <laughs> to find any redeemable qualities in Hentai Cum Dungeon. But this is a band? Yeah, it's a real band. All right. Uh, we we, 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 we came across this band through our pod ventures early on. Yeah, <laughs> so we listened to it. I, It's really... <sighs> I would have a hard time calling it music, but like I said, it's all Someone it's all relative. Somebody, somebody they, they clearly do. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. there's well, four guys who are making it here. Yeah, yeah, presumably exactly. guys. It could be. A girl. I think there is a female. Oh actually. no! Way. Yeah, and that's just yeah. It's it's a strange strange thing, but it is a thing, right? And somebody enjoyed it enough to make it, and and so that's just where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of crazy band names, did you happen to? have band names right here names. right here <laughs> all right so this is how we found hentai cum dungeon i came up with this ingenious little idea it's called the name game and so basically i just prowl the depths of my mind the internet and spotify to find the most wacky and wild band names typically most of them are metal band names and so the the point of the game is to discern whether or not they're real or fake band names and so and it works well when it's just brendan i just keep scoring he think his record's like eight eight or nine actually he got pretty good at it by the end he started out with like four out of 15 success rate and but which but it's good when there's multiple people because we can make a little game out of it have a little contest so basically how i do this i just read off the name and you just tell me whether you think it's real or fake and we'll 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 keep keep we'll keep a tally as the uh, we keep we keep a little tally b y for bryson and b n for brendan so you both have brs 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I had that struggle growing up with my dad. He was Brian. I was Bryson. Same thing. Oh, I did, he tough. just did a big B. I did a lowercase B. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's a good solution. There you go. Yeah. What yeah. do I do if I have a kid and all three of us are hanging out though, and I name him like Benson or something? Maybe just don't have a Benson. Just to avoid <laughs> that issue entirely. So reason back, a backwards B <laughs> sideways. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so yeah, if you guys are ready to go, and in anyway, to relate it, Hentai Come Dungeon came up in this, and it is a real band, so that's just where that came from. But we'll kick it off. First one, Blue Balls Explosion. <laughs> that's that's a band for sure. Uh, <laughs> I say a no. I'm a hard no. It Pete's right. Is. Woo! Uh, <laughs> of course, of course, it is. Of course it is. They really should be. <laughs> All, right. All right, yeah, probably most of these definitely shouldn't be. Um. Go-kart Mozart. So, wait, sorry, where do the fake ones come from? Do you make them up? Uh, uh, yeah, I make... I Some of them are made up. Some of them are just, mo- like, adaptations. Like, I'll look at maybe a few band names and combine them together. Okay. But most of them are, are... I try to be as original as I can. Okay. Fake. I'm a no. Fake. It's real. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Castlemania. That's a Flash game, I'm pretty sure. No, that... Is it? <laughs> Okay. I've definitely heard that before. I don't. I'm not as a band name, but I've definitely seen Castlevania. Castlevania, where there's like a long-term video game series called Castlevania, and that's why I want to say this is real. Someone would probably play off. I'm, I'm going to say fake only because I don't think you'd have put three real in a row. No, well, you haven't played this game before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but still, fair enough. I'm you're saying fake. You're saying fake. And you say fake. You say real. I say real. It's fake. God oh, damn it! So I'm no... back to my old ways here. I'm absolutely <laughs> horrible at this game. We took we took a we took, took a hiatus and Brendan lost his mojo. All right, all right. Elephant tree. Real, real, fake. It's real. God. I listen to the shit out of these guys. They're actually like I love these guys. I bet you they fucking suck. Just <laughs> so salty. Sword of the Hate Lord. Fake. Real. Fake. It is fake. Uh, Brendan's finally on the board. Can we take a moment to to point out that us three just described Brendan's mood with a flavor? I said sour, you said bitter, and you said salty. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good, actually. I never picked up on that. <laughs> right on. All right. 35007. Oh, God, this is tough. I don't know if that's some stupid thing that you would make up or if it's actually... <laughs> like, it's, it's sorry, 35,007. It, it's like all one sequence of... It's five numbers, but... I'll say real. I say real as well. Real. It is real. It's probably a good way to... You, it's good to have a band name that starts with a number because you just classify it on your phone and type in any number. It's right mm-hmm. at the top or yeah. the very bottom. Or the bottom. Probably the bottom. It's the bottom. Actually, I think on Spotify, if you sort just by songs, I think numbers are first. That's smart then. Yeah. Symbols are bought at the bottom. So like if... Because like, I have a song that for whatever reason has got like a... It's like a dash dot. Well, it's Morse code. And then I have another one that has like a hashtag at the start of it. It's no, like right? a pound sign and then a bunch of numbers. But those are at the bottom. But all the numbers are at the start. Maybe we should change the E of our name to to three. (laughs) Every it looks like evergreen. Three evergreen. Three evergreen. Three evergreen. Four evergreen. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Perfect. Forty three (laughs) evergreen. All right. 
creaming Jesus. Creaming Jesus. Honestly, real. Just it's uh. It seems like it should be fake. Oh God, I think it's fake. It's real. Oh, God, <laughs> that was so something you would make up. I wish I had all my old ones saved. Like, some of the ones I came up with were pretty good. You should just go back and listen to all the episodes of the podcast. And and there's some pretty good ones. <laughs> Alright. Drowning in sadist's tears of joy. Fake. Real. It's fake. Fuck! <laughs> so, point for Brent, point for Brent. Don't Brent. tell us the score, Andor. Yeah, end. I know. Okay. At the end, we'll know the score. Cunnilinguists. <laughs> that's real. That's, that's real. real. It's gotta be real. Uh, yeah, it is real. real. That's I can hold on to what the a pencil. name. Good for them for going for it. Absolutely. I looked for one just called Jukebox Hero, like an artist named Ju- like you know. There's yeah. a famous song. I was looking. Like, is there an artist who's cop cop that name? And sure enough, no one. No. I was like, you could be the Jukebox Hero. Can you he talks about? Can you be the Jukebox Hero as your artist name when that song has already existed and trademarked? I think I don't know. You probably could. Ne- Isn't the song Ever- describing a person, though? Evergreen yeah. is a lot of songs already. Uh, yeah. True, right? I don't think it much matters. That no. one's a lot more specific. I don't think anyone would, like, sue you over it. Well, yeah, that's, like... That's the thing. How many songs, like, are names of bands or other things? There's, they're definitely out there. Like, or songs that are named like literally the exact same yeah. thing as other songs. Yeah. yeah. I probably have... I, I'm. I know for a fact I have songs where there's like even three of the same name and it's different think, songs. I don't think musicians would care much. Oh. Truly, like it's like whatever. It's... Maybe like if it was the name of the band. Yeah. And like if I named a song Metallica. Yeah. An obscure one or too. something. Like if like, it's like yeah. clearly a word that you wouldn't use unless mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, if you call so Metallica, like conolinguists. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just it. All right. Scrooby Dooby Doo. Fake. Fake. Real. It's fake. Ah, <laughs> I had a streak going there for a while. Okay. Alright. Fu Manchu. Real. Fake. Real. It's real. Fuck me. Pete's having a hard time with it. Right now. They're actually a good band. Another band I actually listen to a decent amount. Ween. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be real. Hey, I'll go real. You go fake? It's real. <laughs> Sponge. It seems so simple that, like, someone must have done it. I'm going to say real. It's real. It's no! Just, it's, so, it's so simple. I just thought because he did ween and then sponge, <laughs> I thought Zach would have made up sponge after. <laughs> Sleep. I don't know. I just say fake, <laughs> even though, like, it must have. There's no way no one's thought of that. Fake. Fake. Real. Fake. It's real. Ah, of course. Maybe. Oh, gosh. Half past moon. <laughs> ah. Fake. 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 It is fake. <laughs> you got half moon around and then you just switch some words around in you. Half past moon. As you just like, there's no, you saw half moon around and you're like, oh. No, oh. Not, that's not actually where it came from, but that is a good connection. All right, final score. Brendan, seven. So, like, right on par. You're, yeah, like, right on your average. Of 15? 15? Yeah, seven out of 15. Pete's got six, seven, eight, nine. Ah. Oh. And uh, Bryson uh, with, I think, probably the highest score we've ever had. 11. Oh, oh my God. I, I started with the first two wrong, too. I did not realize you had that good of a track record playing this. I that went wrong, good. wrong, and then was 11 for 13, I guess. I had a, I had a stretcher. I had like eight in a row, I swear. Yeah. That was, nuts. Oh, that was very, very well done. Yeah. 
goddamn. Good for you, Bryson. Jeez, those are some good. Those were some but difficult. There names. is some fucking awesome names out there, and like, like I said, I I used to have them all written down in here, but I tore them all out because I thought we were gonna start the podcast fresh. So I tore all my old podcast notes out. But I had some wickedly good ones. They're like some of the band that are actual bands that I found. Like absolutely, Cockspear. <laughs> That's a name. That's the name of a band. Um, what was it like, Dave and Dealer and Dealer to Buyer Incentive or whatever? I like know. that's like that's a band name. Congratulations on your decision to become a pilot. That's the name of a band. <laughs> okay, that's I, nuts. I got one for you. Okay, Coa Poison of the Year in Analysis. That's got to be real. <laughs> it's fake. <laughs> yeah. What? We uh we when we were thinking of band names, we there was a band name generator. And we just hit generate, and that's when it fucking popped out. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> it's like the gamer type generator like back in the day. Um, so, what made you guys settle on Evergreen? I think uh, I was in Jasper, and I just literally saw a tree. I was like, "That's a that's a cool name. It's just clean." And then three out of four members are in environmental engineering, Whoa. so it's just like a very like it's very fitting, I think, for our yeah uh, for what we're about and stuff. And mm-hmm. everyone's got a pretty good environmental conscious. I think if if theoretically if we were able to generate some more income and kind of get our name out there i think that would be kind of the fight i'd want to pursue with the band is, is write a few songs kind of with some environmental undertones as well as i know there's lots of bands a lot of canadian bands do it arkells do it half moon run and any good canadian artists have seen that they always are good about donating money from shows so yeah. like if it got to the point that you're playing you know these gigs where a few people are coming out i'd like to donate some of that money to a, to a charity like a tree planting organization or something like that yeah so i think it's just a cool angle to actually like be a band that kind of has a bit of a purpose it's not just like just necessarily just music like i mm-hmm. actually if if given the chance and like had the exposure and everything i'd like to do something good with it wow so. that's that's actually pretty cool actually good for you guys pete i saw you were going to say something before i asked that question do you remember what it was yeah i was just saying on the topic of rebooting the podcast um i i think like you guys talk about sports movies and music was your thing, right? Talk we talk about pretty much everything. There I, I only listened to the first couple episodes. Okay. But, it started uh, off somewhat similar to that, yeah. But I think you guys just have a lot of like good life thoughts and mm-hmm. I think you should share more of those. Uh, I do remember our conversation on that and, and I have been we Brennan and I have been starting to spark up conversation to see where we're gonna go with this. It, so I I can confirm that it seems like you would run out of things to talk about, but you don't. How could you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> such a broad topic choice. You really don't run out of things to talk about, which is nice. There's there's definitely the benefit to having a more open ended podcast mm-hmm. for sure. That right where, but what you guys had mentioned earlier is like like being so uh, intertwined with music, it makes you view the world in a different way. But it's just, like, it leads you to thinking, how many other things do you maybe just kind of, like, don't acknowledge because you've never really had an interest in it? But how much would those things maybe, like, shape your worldview and how you view the world? So sometimes that makes me want to just pursue learning something that maybe I didn't have an interest in before. Or even, like, trying to learn and sit down and appreciate basketball. Because I know that you guys Mm -hmm. love watching basketball. But for me, <laughs> for me, I can hardly see redeeming qualities. And not yeah. to say that there isn't, I just haven't seen it. And yeah. so, like, if you guys were to defend the sport of basketball and watching it, what would your main defenses for it being a level of entertainment? Truly, I have one main argument, and it's just the sheer amount of scoring. Like, you name me any other sport where each team scores, like, 40 or 50 goals. 
Yeah. Right? Like, and the, and the way their scoring is so varied. Like, you get anything down from, like, a penalty shot, essentially a free throw, to just a mid-range shot, three-pointers, freaking six slam dunks, like, put-backs. Like, it's, it's so dynamic. I, I, and that's what I love about it is just sheerly the amount of offense that's generated in the sport. Yeah. Because the sport, for example, like I'm a Canadian guy, so I have an appreciation for hockey, obviously. Mm-hmm. But for me, that's one that the goals mean more, obviously, because there's less of them. And like soccer as well, or, or football in you know Europe. Yeah. Uh, there's only maybe two or three, four or five goals a game like in these kind of sports. So yeah. it's it's limited and exciting for its other reasons. But, but to me, it's tough to compete with basketball's sheer amount of just scoring. Because it's always scored. always like con- like there's never more than a minute goes by where no one scored a, a basket and it's and you think that that would make them be less significant, but it doesn't. Yeah. The other my other uh, thing I really love about it is how like streaky it is. Like you'll see in within a few games, like the amount of lead changes typically. Because uh, like for if hockey you get down three zero, you're probably like out of it for the most part. Like, you can come back, but that's tough. Like, if it's third period, you're down 3-0. Mo- like, 95% of those games are pretty much over at that point. Is that, mm-hmm. a, is that a hard stat? <laughs> no. <laughs> no because a three-goal lead is statistically the worst lead in hockey. Oh. Well, okay. You, you know what I mean. 4 <laughs> <Four-oh>, maybe. <laughs> Either way, it's, it's oftentimes there comes points where you, 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 don't, you don't know. You never know the mm-hmm. outcome, but it's mm-hmm. a lot more predictable. Whereas basketball, I've seen, especially a team like the Raptors, that's my team they'll be down 15 points with, like, six minutes left, and they'll win. Like, it's crazy. Like, just the amount of, like, comeback potential. Yeah. You, you hold them on D a couple times, and you make a three, you make a two, you make another three. It's eight points to zero all of a sudden. It's like, whoa, this is... It, it's exciting. There's a lot of just, like, entertainment value. Hmm. Some of the biggest appeal for me is uh, the stats side of it. Because, um, like... Again, hockey, for example, your stats are what, like goals, assists. There's a lot of stats. There's a lot of analytics, but yeah, true. No, I I, I get what you mean. Yeah, because there's a lot. There is a fuckload of stats in basketball. Yeah, you got, and and then what he was talking about the uh, streaky scoring. um, There's apps that have like lines that go up and down and up and down depending who's leading and just looking at something like that it's just really enjoyable for me <laughs> yeah no i get that and i think you being a numbers guy you'd be drawn to that a little bit but i mean yeah. i think everybody has their things in each sport that they can appreciate mm-hmm. and you know what it, to me i always looked at the amount of scoring as a, a deterrent but I, I mean your your interpretation and explanation of it does kind of lead me to appreciate it on a different level but I would always say is like there's just so many baskets. It's like why do I want to care about a basket? Fair enough. But I think yeah, you said it does. It does create a lot of potential for you know uh, a big change in score and fluctuation between both teams where mm-hmm. you don't see that as much in other sports, especially like soccer. Ask, I just want to ask a question about your segue. What your like music shapes our world perspective? Do you think basketball, like people who just watch basketball, that shapes their world perspective a lot? Do you think? Um, maybe not their overarching world perspective, but I think it's just interesting that they know how to appreciate the detail in something, right? And know, like, what about basketball there is to appreciate, Mm -hmm. right? And I think even just, even just doing that and exercising that in any medium is, is interesting. And I think, uh, it just makes you a more well-versed individual over the course of your lifetime, regardless of what it is, right? Mm-hmm. I think, for me, I did that with mixed martial arts. I was like, I kind of want to start watching a new sport. I'm like, oh, nobody watches UFC. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this and try to learn how to appreciate it. And I can appreciate it. Whereas some people, like, just don't. I mean, when you guys are watching it, I'm sure 
Odd, I was like, enjoying it, and the I kind of was talking to you about it that night, like on the the groundwork and stuff. Yeah. I was honestly really into it because I don't understand it yet. I don't yeah. know it well enough, but it, but you could tell that it was so technical, and yeah. what they were doing was had so much meaning and purpose. Like mm-hmm. they weren't just flailing around on the ground. Like guy was, you know, put his arm in a very strategic spot and stuff like that. That that I could definitely see the enjoyment of some of that kind of aspects of it. Yeah. No. Exactly. Right. And that's just it with basketball. Is like sometimes I think. You know, year to year, I might just sit down and maybe dedicate my time to a sport and, you know, maybe one day it'll be basketball so that, I, you know, even if I don't follow it hardcore over the course of my life, I know how to appreciate the sport. And I think that's something interesting to do. So mm-hmm. I was just kind of curious because I've never been drawn to basketball, but I mean, you're not to say that I never would want to it. I just know you guys are quite into it. Yeah. If you want to solidify your appreciation for groundwork, I don't know, like, I know you have a band room, so you have some space, but (laughs) if you ever are feeling like it, honestly, just you two, try and just get the other guy in just a rear, like, a rear headlock. And, and, like, just try that. Brendan and I did it the other night. The hardest fucking thing I have ever done in my (laughs) entire life. It's so tiring. It is so much work, and because we don't have a clue what we're doing, the moment we think we have an advantage, the other guy just squirms out because you don't have proper position or anything. Like, honestly, just, like, even five minutes, and if you're fruitless after five minutes, but just try that, because you'll be, you'll be fucking bagged. My roommate... (laughs) Noah and I have, uh, have grappled a bit, and it's really fun. It, yeah, <laughs> Brendan and I are actually gonna like start trying like tutorials and like just working on like maybe even some basic technique for it and just doing it. Because first off, it's great workout, and second off, like what the hell? Why not? I had mentioned it to the guys actually that night that we were watching it, and then I got so much flack for it from everybody. I'm like, yeah. fuck you guys! Hey, man, I didn't hear this. Out. I would defend you for sure. You know what? Actually, the girl I'm seeing is in jujitsu lessons as of like next week. So some interesting foreplay. Eh? Arm barbers, arm barbers. <laughs> getting choked out here. <laughs> There's no blood flow. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good, actually. The modification on autoerotica. <laughs> I saw well, sorry, I had one more point to what you were saying. Uh about the music thing, like tying that to life and then other things. Mm-hmm. Actually, I read a book. Or, well, I'm not, I didn't even finish it. I read halfway through a book called Zen Guitar. Yeah. Hoping to help me just with the guitar. And it's a very like alternative view on music. Like it's not like a book on technique or anything, but just some like kind of things to think about. And right off the bat, they, they give a quick spiel on what Zen is as a mentality. And he basically says, is like music might be your way to discover it, but it might be through like woodworking. It might be through chess. skating. It might be through chess. It might be through all these different things. He said, it doesn't matter what you pick. If you truly dedicate yourself to improving in that and learning it well, that will be the lens you need to see the world for what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and that was huge to me. I was like, whoa, like you could, yeah, you could be a, an incredible chef. And from there, like, for example, my relationship advice with crescendos and things, you might draw the some similar conclusion through the way you fillet a steak. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is because I don't know it well enough. But truly, you can find these life advice and tidbits from from anything you pursue to a high enough level, I think. So I think I think that's important. It doesn't matter what it is you're passionate about, just to have something that you that you do value and that you want to be excellent at. Yeah, I think no. that's where it's important for sure. Actually, and it's it is crazy that everything does create a lens that you view the world through, and that's like the perfect way to put it. I actually had a conversation when we came back. You guys have seen Arrival, I think we like, I except for Zach, but it's basically about linguistics, and it sparked a conversation with uh, my roommates and I that. Uh, you know, every language has their own words for things and lacks their own words for things mm-hmm. that other ones do, right? And even that shapes your worldview, right? 
I was listening to a podcast where there was a language that literally has a word for a moment when two individuals want to say something to each other, but neither of them do out of fear or something, right? Like expressing your love for each other. Like that is a legitimate word in their language. And like for some, for people in English, yeah. you might not ever create that connection because you're not taught to view the world in that way. Okay. Or even just the difference in the, the names that you put to certain colors in different languages, right? It might not be the same. So mm-hmm. it just, it changes your worldview in even that sense. And it, so Italians have like eight words for love. Exactly, right? And yeah. and I don't know any culture that understands love more deeply yes. because they, they have been able to separate it into different feelings instead of one overarching like... Love. You don't yeah. love your family like you love your girlfriend or whatever you yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, fair enough. That's Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, so I don't know, just the idea of... Just just, just becoming a more well-versed individual it, it, and just shaping your worldview in every way possible is just, I, I find that very interesting. And like, ironically, you two are some of the people who I think are just so well-versed for their age more than anybody else in our peer group. So this is why I would love to have you guys on the podcast, really. But uh, we are coming to the end. Is there anything else that you guys would want to talk about? Anything you brought to the table? Zach, Bryce, and Pete? No. Uh- I got, I got just one final point. I, I didn't, I think I took a pee when, uh, when my opportunity kind of rose to maybe say it, but it was just in regards of learning. I think, I think you'd mentioned, you know, like, I feel like you felt like music or not learning a music instrument was almost maybe like a void or something in your life. I think to an extent that's true. Honestly, I think that mm-hmm. it's a really important thing and, and it shouldn't be viewed as a hobby and like just another, another thing you can do, but truly is almost more of a fundamental thing because it's so underlying in so many aspects of life go watch any movie it's going to be there go to the you know a dance club at night and all these like social gatherings there's music playing it's awkward if you're with people sometimes and you don't have music playing like it's such an underpinning force i I think people should all understand it so my my main thing to that is i think it's never too late to try and to learn and the worst thing you can do is say i'm too old to get into it now so Mm -hmm. for example my dad was the one who got me my first guitar in grade nine. I've up to that I played piano. I'd been in band class playing saxophone, uh, but I'd never really played guitar. So he got me one in grade nine because I was playing so much Guitar Hero. Actually, so going to see you actually like play a real instrument. So so sure enough, I got into it. Ended up loving it. That's what sparked me to actually write music. Like I had never really tried up till that point. So that was huge for me. So this this Christmas actually it was a Christmas gift in grade nine. This Christmas I gave him the same guitar that he gave me. I, I gave it back to him, <laughs> and it was it was really wow. emotional for me. It's really emotional, honestly. That's a big because, moment. Uh, it was because I said like you're you're 53, but you could you could learn this, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so that was huge. Like I'm honestly emotional just thinking about it. Uh, but but he he like was so touched by it and. I guess that was a push he needed. Yeah, yeah. In his life was to know that it's possible and that like that he could still do it. So he's going to learn it. And I think it'd be such a big thing for him. And he, he's 53. He still has, you know, some good years ahead of him. So yeah. it's like, what, what's the, what's the struggle in learning that now? And uh, yeah, you're a little, you know, you're a few years behind someone else, but you still have so much time to look forward to. And, and so I'm really, I'm really proud that he's willing to do it. And like I said, yeah, honestly, I get, I get really emotional just thinking about it, but, but it's, yeah, it's such an important thing. Yeah, no, for sure. That's actually wild. I think, Maybe I'll pick up a guitar after we stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> I got lots. Yeah, maybe one day. Yeah. For sure. But I, I actually think that rings very true. And yeah, it's it's just quite crazy how powerful it is. Not to keep this going forever, but I just want to oh. say that um like it's it's just really easy for me and I've done it lots to say, damn, like I, I wish I was in band class in high school so that I would have a head start on my rhythm technique and stuff like that. I, I 
would just be able to do so much more now if I had that. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, the the fact that I started when I did is shaping the type of musician I am. Yeah. And I enjoy the type of musician I am. Um, so there might be some negatives to starting late and there might be some positives. You just got to look at it as like, it's taking me where wherever it's taking me now and yeah. wherever I was doesn't really matter. Yeah. And there's no good or bad time to start necessarily. Right. It's just like you said, you don't wait for new year's January 1st to try out something new. Right. It's just like, there's, just there's, there's no better time to start than right now. Right. So exactly. It's very good. That's actually a really good message. But uh, yeah, I mean that's about all I have to say, Zach. Are you sitting there looking a little bit like you're well, I'm just something? Just running through my mind. If we did miss anything, all I know for sure is we missed the uh, the sponsor for the week. But the sponsor for the week. All right. Yeah. Well, this week we're brought to you by the world famous band Evergreen. So uh, where can we uh, where can we check you guys out? Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, Evergreen Yeg. Uh, we also got a SoundCloud. Uh, it's just Evergreen. Might be hard to find us though. Yeah, that'd be tough. So go through our Facebook first. Um, <laughs> we will be on Spotify and iTunes this year sometime. Wow. They, uh, also, for any Lethbridge folk, what today is the 5th, they play at the Owl. Is this going to be out before the 7th? <laughs> on the 7th. <laughs> if, well, if, if it comes out before then, good. If not, this is a history lesson. You missed your opportunity. <laughs> should have been at the Owl been, on the 7th. Should have been on board with Evergreen before we released this. <laughs> before they were cool. <laughs> Now's your chance. Now's your chance to get on board and say you were there from day one. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, we really appreciate you guys being on here. This is probably one of my favorite podcasts that we have recorded. Just thanks for having us. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, excellent. I'd love to do it again sometime. Absolutely, we will. So, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for coming back, you know, after we've had our hiatus. But uh, me and Zach will be podcasting in some form or fashion in the future. So, just keep up with us and we'll let you know. Thanks, everyone. Bye.